GDC, E3, and now Build. Microsoft's canceling everything. Happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Hopefully this isn't a spooky Friday for you, although it has been pretty spooky around the neighborhood, if you know what I mean, because there is some uh, illness wafting about that is taking a pretty significant toll on just about everything across the entire globe. But people are taking precautions. People are canceling in-person events. People, I think, are generally doing the right thing. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see how this one plays out. But for now, hopefully you've got enough toilet paper stocked up because everybody is buying that out at uh, an incredible rate for what doesn't seem like any logical reasons. Anyways, folks, on to the show. Hopefully you're all happy, healthy, and not being impacted too much. And uh, let's just get to the good stuff. Microsoft released a new build of Windows 10X for its emulator this week. Now, it's not necessarily notable that they released a build or the features in there. Well, it actually is notable that the build came out, but it's not the features, if you will. The reason why I say that is there was some concern that Microsoft would release the original Windows 10X emulator, and then they would just not touch it. They would say, hey, look, go build your apps based on this. This is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to show you anything else, and good luck but it does not appear that they're doing that. They've released one update now, and it looks like they're gonna be doing that on a more frequent basis, which means that, hey, we should be able to keep our eyes on what is happening with Windows 10X, which I personally believe is the future of the Windows platform. And so it's good to see that Microsoft is marching down that path. Uh, Teams this week getting a little bit of notable news more personally than anything else. I've been waiting for a feature called Skype Federation inside of Teams. It looks like that is starting to roll out to tenants now. And so if you are an admin, know that it will be turned off by default, but this is going to fix a glaring hole, at least for me personally, in the Teams application, and that is communicating with people outside of your organization. This is going to make it significantly easier to work with those individuals. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I keep waiting for it to roll out to my tenant as well. Um, one big headline that has been circulating around is that Google has 2 billion to, with a B billion G Suite users. Now this came from Axios, I believe that's how you pronounce the publication's name. And it like I, it instantly did not um, make sense. So Javier, I think it's Sotero, used to be a Microsoft employee. Uh, he actually started a company, which Microsoft bought, which is now the Outlook application on iOS and Android. And then he was at Microsoft for a while, said, screw you guys and then went over to Team Google, and he did an interview, and he says, hey, we've got 2 billion G Suite users, and instantly that number did not feel right, because Microsoft has Office 365, and it's somewhere around like 180, up to maybe maximum 200 million commercial customers, and then there's like 30 to 40-ish, something like that, consumer subscribers to Office 365, so let's just be generous and say there's 250 million paying Office 360 subscribers on the planet. Probably a little high, but we'll just be generous. And for Google to come out and say, wait, we've got 2 billion G Suite users, I was like, wait a minute, that if, if Google truly had 2 billion users paying, there's like roughly 7 to 8 billion people on the planet, something didn't feel right. And so what it turns out is that if you have a Gmail account, a Gmail, just plain old Gmail, you're not paying for anything, you're considered a G Suite user. Yeah, that that's that's like Microsoft saying, hey, uh, if you have an Outlook.com account, you're an Office 365 customer. If you are using OneDrive, you are an Office 365 customer, even if you're not paying for Office 365. So it don't, that that is, that's a very bad statistic. It's marketing, I guess, maybe at its best and worst, all wrapped up into one. Um, but just know that if you see that headline floating around, it's not really all that accurate. Uh, so there you go. Uh, one other thing to point out too, so Microsoft is having all their employees work from home. Not that every company is doing this effectively on the planet. Like if you can work from home, you are working from home um, because of the illness that is wafting about. 
One of the things that I think is going to be interesting to point out and to watch is Microsoft's infrastructure holding up. Because yes, Microsoft has had all their employees uh, work from home previously during snow days and, and various things. And I'm specifically talking about the Seattle area, which roughly has 50,000 employees up there, roughly. We don't know the exact number. But for what Microsoft is doing now, they're going to have a sustained usage outside of the office sustained it's not like hey on tuesday everybody's working remote okay well, i'm meeting in the office on thursday and we'll just fix it that is not an option so teams is going to get really sustained work from home usage for about a month give or take something like that and so it should really pull up if there's any flaws or any missing features or functionality and i'm really hoping that microsoft will do a post-op report after they move back into the office saying hey this is what we learned all working from home and the features that we need to build out and the infrastructure that might be a little bit weak and we can improve it's going to be a good test on the infrastructure that microsoft has built out so uh, on to the gaming news bunch of gaming news this week as there is always uh, e3 has been canceled it's a big deal mike uh, i was gonna say microsoft but the biggest gaming conference of the year now canceled game developer conference also canceled uh, phil spencer did tweet out that microsoft is still going to do something for e you know quote unquote e3 they're gonna have a streaming event where they will stream whatever they were going to announce and so that is good so it's not like we're not going to get the information it's just that there's going to be no in-person event which kind of stinks and so speaking of things that have also been canceled i forgot to mention this microsoft canceled its build conference as well so build is its developer show that is happening or was going to happen in uh late mid to late may and so Microsoft canceled GDC, Microsoft canceled E3, and now Build has also been canceled, which really stinks because I like these conferences because they're, it's a good time when I can actually go up there and talk to Microsoft off the record, if you will, where you can get those executives to sit down, have a few drinks, open up a little bit, but it helps you to better understand the strategy and approach that they're taking. And so with E3 being canceled and Build being canceled and GDC being canceled, Kind of the next big opportunity is going to be Ignite, which is happening way in the later half. I think it's in the September time frame. So we will uh, we will see. But anyway, so E3 canceled. Microsoft will still have event. One little interesting tidbit. Disneyland has also been closed. Uh, you know, the Walt Disney Parks for obvious reasons. And so if you actually want to go to Disneyland virtually, I believe the only way you can do it is actually on an Xbox console. So uh, Xbox right now has the Disneyland exclusive <laughs> If you want to go, you know, romp around those parks. Uh, Microsoft also announced that the Xbox One X is now permanently at the $399 price point, which brings up a really interesting question. If Xbox One X is $399, what in the heck are these next generation consoles going to launch at? This is going to be an interesting challenge here, because if you think about it, there's no way that if a, an existing generation console that is several years in is already priced at $399. Now, we know that you can get it for less, and that is with bundles, and that is with controllers and bundles. I already said bundles. I'm bundling the bundles, if you will. I think it's really setting the par that I bet that the Series X is at least $499. I think that's pretty much kind of the thought right now. So, but then the other question is, what about Lockhart? What is Lockhart going to be priced at if the Xbox One X is at $399? We'll see. We will see. But just trying to try to keep that in perspective, if you're hoping that the Series X is going to come out at $399, that doesn't feel like that's going to be possible if the if the One X is already at that price. Uh, there's a new Ori game out, or I believe Will of the Wisp. I haven't actually gotten to play this one yet. I have it. I mean, I've got Game Pass. But I will tell you that I've been a big fan of the Call of Duty War Zones that I've been playing. Um, I'm as a, I was, still am, I, I, although I haven't played it and since it's come out. I'm a big Apex Legends fan. Played that a ton. Played it for a year. That's like pretty much all I played. And Warzone's kind of fun. I will say. I didn't really... I played the regular Call of Duty a bit. But I was really stuck into Apex. And maybe I'll get sucked back into Apex. I'm not ruling that out. But Warzone's fun. 
Warzone is fun. Um, it's a nice mix. Um, if you haven't tried it, it's free. You don't have to own the previous game. You can go just go try it out. I mean, it, it, it feels like a Call of Duty. It feels much better than Blackout. It really, really does. It feels like a good mix of PUBG and Call of Duty. The map is massive. You can, if you really want to, you can always be fighting. You've got many redemption option opportunities, which is the big differentiator, right? In Apex Legends, one of the neat things was is that, hey, you could get called back in. That was kind of a cool, you know, somebody picks up your banner, takes you to a beacon, you can come back in. In Call of Duty, you can get called in, uh, what is it, like a total of, you can save yourself effectively three different ways through the Gulag. Um, your buddies can buy you back in or you can have a self-revive. So there's several different opportunities so that once you die, you're not completely out. And uh, I think it's pretty well done. We will see how it plays out over the long haul and what it does to the other communities, how Fortnite and Apex and PUBG all stand up to this, to the long uh, and tried and true method of Call of Duty. But yeah, so next week also, Microsoft is going to be doing a GDC stream. Thursday specifically, there is going to be an event talking about the Series X and its next generation and xCloud. So there should be some good details that are coming out there. And of course, as always, I will keep you updated. So let us dive into my favorite part of the week, the questions, which I always tweet out. You can find me on, on the Twitters, at BDSams is usually the best way to hang out and chat and whatnot. Why is this page not loading? David Allen says, the Surface Pro X has been mentioned in the news lately. I've been holding off purchasing one until Microsoft improved the emulation of apps. Brent, I know you have one and talked about how great it is. Still feel the same. Has the compatibility issues gotten any better? So I use this thing pretty frequently. Actually, I took it to my daughter's swimming lessons this week and wrote a couple posts. It is a great just on the go type machine. And it, you don't want to buy this for the heavy hitting apps. Now I'm curious what emulation issues you are referring to. You still have the problem of certain X64 compatible apps are not going to be running. So it's got to be ARM or I believe X, or it's got to be Win32 or ARM. It cannot be an X64 bit, I believe application to run. So you need to do your research about what applications you're going to be needing, but the Edge browser that is compiled for ARM works great. Uh, Office seems to work pretty dang well, although I'm not doing like heavy application or heavy work inside of Office. It's mostly just screwing around a little bit in Excel, uh, PowerPoint lightly and mostly in Word. So if you're doing like basic productivity, things it's a great machine and i really have no issues with it so uh mr jules wombat says whatever happened to hololens the hololens 2 was announced early last year but there has been nothing released in the last year so the hololens especially hololens 2 is designed specifically for the enterprise customer for the commercial client it is not intended to be a consumer product in really any capacity at this point interestingly enough there is an event coming up uh it was supposed to be right before build is going to be a virtual or vr kind of like mini build ahead of microsoft's build conference where they're going to talk about mixed reality and hololens development was likely to be on that agenda now with build being canceled e3 and all that other stuff being canceled i suspect that is not going to be happening but the product is designed for commercial customers i do kind of wish microsoft would champion this thing a little more because they have the coolest technology on the block. Uh, There's actually rumors out this week that Magic Leak, the company that was like threatening or whatever that was the up and coming kid in this space, uh, is having some issues. They were supposed to be selling to Facebook and Facebook backed out and then they're not really selling any products and they're kind of, it sounds like they're collapsing. This is, I think, going to go down to the classic tale of being overfunded uh, under product overfunded and never delivered on the product that they were expected to sell. And they, they apparently have some cool technology, but Microsoft is already out shipping a second generation, kind of it's almost a third generation uh, version of its HoloLens. So it's still out floating around. People are using them. Microsoft is just, just not ready to sell it to the customer or the consumer yet. So uh, 
Agzimo says, any advice for working remote? I'm somebody who actually enjoys working in office because it gets me out of the house and interfacing face to face. The prospect of being forced to stay home in my house 24 seven is a bit depressing. So I obviously work from my house. And so here are my top tips uh, to kind of survive working in the house. So Number one is have a dedicated work area. Don't sit, you cannot do like great productivity work day in and day out sitting on a couch in your pajamas. It doesn't work. Have an actual desk or a location where you're gonna sit your computer down, where you're gonna have your coffee, you're gonna have your whatever, and that is your workstation. One, it helps you get into that mindset that when you sit down here, I am working, I am not, I'm not just watching TV in the background. That really, really helps. Two, um, this may not work for everybody, but go to the gym. Like get out of the house. Like you got to get a routine that gets you out of the house at some point during the day. Some people go to the gym early. Some people go to the gym late. That is one way to do it. And try to just keep your routines, right? If you were going into the office at eight and coming home at five, try to work eight to five in your house. Try not to get distracted as best as your possibility. Uh, the big challenge, at least for me personally in the next coming weeks, is that my kid is not going to be going to school because the schools are closing uh, to help prevent the spread of the disease. And so just keep, Keep your routines, keep yourself sanity, um, hang out online, honestly, like chatting, you'd be surprised at chatting on like with people on Twitter and whatnot can help. Obviously it's not as good as face to face, but keep your routines and get out of the house as frequently as you can. That will help uh, until you establish how you're actually gonna be working from home. So there you go. Thrust Bucket says, what is the likelihood Microsoft launches the Xbox Series S this year? And what is the likelihood that they announce uh, it this year if they are not planning to? What are your bets that they will announce at the show next week? So I don't, I don't fully know all the details yet of what they're announcing next week. I will say this, and I, I'm still trying to poke around at this. I have uh, been told by people familiar with the matter that the Xbox... I'm gonna have to qualify this because of, of what is going on in the world, that the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S were not initially intended to launch at the same time. Now, we're not talking like years apart, uh, but I had vague familiarity that the console was gonna launch a little bit earlier than we were thinking. So typically these things launch in October, um, October, November timeframe actually, and this thing might actually arrive in September, but we don't know yet. We don't know yet. There's some, the reason why I'm not like trying to like say this is fact is one, I don't know if it's fact um, because there are some massive implications into the infrastructure of the world that allows people to build consoles. And this is very much going to be delaying the release of some things. Now, I don't think it's going to be significant delays. At least we have not heard that yet, but you can, you, all bets are off. If you were going to launch a product on a certain date and it required X amount of lead time for manufacturing, that is, it, there are serious implications that are impacting those launch timeframes. So that is why I'm like a little hesitant to say, hey, the Xbox Series X is arriving in September because I don't know if that is still the case. At one point, that was that was the target uh, for a while ago, but I don't know if that is still going to be happening. And then the Series S was going to launch closer, I believe, to around the Christmas timeframe. Again, I don't know if this is still happening. So please don't like run with this as gospel because things are very, very dynamic right now, more so than usual. So there you go. Uh, Triple Plate says, right now, there are no Xbox 360 or Xbox original Xbox backwards compatibility games in xCloud preview program. Any idea 
if or when they might start testing backwards compatibility titles. I believe that has to do with the emulation that has to take place uh, to make some of these games operate. That is my understanding as why some of these titles aren't there. Now, I do expect that they will eventually arrive, but I think Microsoft is going for a best case scenario while they are still working through the, the testing of the xCloud, meaning that they're going to run games that are designed to run natively on the hardware first because they should be getting a better performance on the servers that are streaming this stuff rather than trying to run something through uh, backwards compatibility. Uh, shim, I believe, is kind of the term that gets tossed around. Uh, Felipe says, hi, Brad. With this new game generation that Xbox is going all in with multiplayer games and subscription-based services, and it looks like Sony is going with the same strategy, a little bit slow, but still, what is the Nintendo strategy for the long term? I think Nintendo's strategy is not really too changing. They, I don't want to use the, like, the word quirky kind of has sometimes negative implications, but Nintendo has a nice little segment of the market, right? It's this fun, happy go. It's like the Disneyland of, of console hardware, and I think that's where Nintendo goes. Now, I do think Nintendo would love to get into the subscription service market. The problem is, is that their online services are a dumpster fire, to put it lightly. They've never been as good uh, as Xbox, which, you know, Xbox is the market leader. They've never even been close to really even Sony. Um, the, you sometimes still have to enter like these massive codes to add friends. It's just not a good service compared to what is available on the market. I think Nintendo will get there eventually. We've seen it a little bit on iOS and Android with Mario Kart, like World Tour and those sorts of things. I think that's where Nintendo wants to get the Switch hardware, but they've got to build out the infrastructure, which is taking their sweet time. So I, I do expect Nintendo to eventually go that way. Uh, Marvin says, have you and Brad, or you and Brad, have you and Paul squared off in the new Call of Duty yet? No, we have not. Uh, Simon says, any suggestions for better Apple TV re remote? Mine is a bounce... Mine is about to bounce off a wall. So the Apple TV remote, I fully am empathetic there. It is trash. It is garbage. Um, what I've used, so on my TV that I'm pointing to over there that you can't see because it's on the side of a wall, uh, is the LG C9. And that remote actually works natively with the Apple TV. And so that is what I've started to use. And then when I'm upstairs on our other TVs, I just use my iPhone. Um, if you have an iPhone, which I'm assuming you probably do if you're using Apple TVs, but you can just download the remote app and I use that instead of the actual little handheld remote. It's still not great, but it is slightly better. So uh, Sherlock Holmes says, hi Brad, I have a weird computer science problem. Uh, so does Microsoft frequently. On the new edge, when I close the browser, I'm automatically locked out uh, from outlook.com. Neither Brave nor Firefox has that problem. Any idea? What do you mean? I guess I would question what do you mean by locked out? Like, are you having to refactor your two-factor authentication? Is it not remembering the state that you're logged in? Um, it could potentially be just set up as a security feature that says, hey, you close the browser, you need to re-authenticate, and it's not saving that session locally is my guess. Um, I don't quite know the exact, it's hard to triage some of this stuff, but my guess is that when you're closing out the browser, it's just locking out your session, requiring you to re-authenticate, which is honestly probably a better thing than, say, Firefox or um, every, anything else, or Brave. Which, and it's interesting, it's Brave and Firefox. Uh, I can't remember what, well, Brave, I believe, runs on Chromium, I believe. So, I don't have a great answer, but that would be my guess as to why that is happening. Uh, David Allen says, I listen to you guys daily and I follow Paulson's Windows Chicago beta bar. Wow. Uh, with the virus out and everything moving online, there's an assumption that people ha have high-speed internet. A good portion of the people don't. He's exactly right. A lot of people do not have high-speed internet. Well, really sufficient high-speed internet. Have either of you heard from people that don't have the ability to work online? Seems that that would be an issue missed. Yeah, there's a, I have heard from some. I mean, there's, there's a sizable population, and I would say it's mostly outside the tech sector, that can't work remote. I mean, if you're in like a retail 
establishment, you can't work remotely. Like people need to be in the retail stores. Um, not every company, by the way, is set up to work remotely. Like not everybody's set up to have 50,000 VPN active connections and be streaming video calls across their infrastructure. There's a, a best practice in the, in the IT or just in the business world, having disaster recovery plans or business continuity plans. And so I'm very curious to see how many people actually factored in uh, a widespread illness into their disaster recovery plans, because it's a totally different scenario where you have to have high bandwidth, not only at home where the, where the employee is, but also at the office, higher bandwidth than you would if somebody is on the network uh, locally. So I, I haven't heard specifically saying, hey, I can't work from home because of X, Y, Z, but I know that there are people out there that are saying that, that can't do this because their company is not either a physically capable of it because of the industry or B because they don't have the infrastructure set up. I bet there's a lot of SMBs who are running their own servers that can't do this. Now, companies that are built on Azure or AWS more than likely are, are fine. And a lot of those companies are more than likely newer than say like the older, uh, you know, like if you started a company in 1995, more than likely you have your own a uh, small rack server in a closet somewhere that is your operational stack. And so those companies would would definitely be struggling in, in times like this. Uh, Drunken Gelt says, with E3 canceled, do you think 2019 will be remembered as the last proper E3, seeing as how more and more companies have gone for streaming options instead? I would even argue that maybe 2019 wasn't the last latent great um, E3, because correct me if I'm wrong, Sony wasn't at 2019 either. So maybe 2018 will be the last the last one that we is kind of like the, the champion of E3. So um, we'll be interesting to see how companies approach things next year, right? That's going to be the big, big change. Are, are people going to go back to our companies going to go back to their normal? Hey, let's go to conferences and that kind of stuff. Cause there is a lot of value in going to a, in conference to a conference in person. There really, really is. Um, obviously there's the educational, but there's a lot of networking. There's a lot of just casual conversations that, that you gain more from, um, than you can ever get through a streaming event online. So, so that wraps it up for this week, guys. I appreciate all those questions. There's a lot of good stuff on the horizon. As Microsoft announced things next week, I will keep you updated. It should be a fun and interesting time. And with that, guys, have yourselves a wonderful and hopefully healthy weekend.